Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Keep that beat going. Triple Threat Podcast. Sorry about that, y'all. I was into the your music there a little bit. I love when that, that, that beat coming a little bit. But uh, welcome to the Triple Threat Podcast. I am DJ Shocky along with my co-host, my man Scotty D is here as well. A lot to talk about today, a lot going on. But before we do that, I always got to thank you and say we appreciate you guys for always tuning in. We appreciate you guys subscribing. We appreciate you guys telling people about it. And that means the most to us, man. That means it means something to, to, mm-hmm. to you, but also means even more to us. So we appreciate you. We love you. And uh, as always, much respect. A lot going on in the world, uh, not just sports, but also in our uh, daily lives. A lot of things going on around the world. But before we get into all that, Scotty D, uh, give you a chance to say what up to the people. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm all vaccinated. That's my big <laughs> announcement today. You all good. You all you you all juiced up. You good to yeah, go. Yeah, I got it. Yes. Uh, Monday and uh, feeling fine. Having crazy dreams again, just like I did last time. But crazy. Uh, hey, dream. You know, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what you mean? Crazy dream. What you talking about? Uh, you know, like like when you normally dream, you dream like short things. You, you're you're right. doing something crazy around your uh, dreams are always crazy. But you're, you're right. in your house and then all of a sudden you walk out the back door and you're on the beach. And okay. then all of a sudden you turn around and you're in New York City doing something <laughs> yeah. else happening, right? Right, right. Uh, my, my dreams after these after these shots have been long stories, like like really weird. So so this morning <laughs> I actually got up at five o'clock to take. <laughs> so I got up at five a.m. to take Will to uh, football this morning. And when I got back home, I got back in bed and I slept for a couple more hours. And I had this long dream about how I uh, I went back to college. Uh huh. And 40 years, not 40, 30 years, which that's how long it's been since I've been. In, that's not true. I'm going to say because that's that's are, are you 50? Is that since, what you're saying? Since I started, I'm 46. I'll be 47 Sunday. OK. Yeah. But I okay. started college 29 years ago. OK. OK. So I went back to college and 29 years had passed for me. But everybody around me was exactly as I left them in the 90s. Oh, no. Way. So I was, yeah, I was talking to all these people and they were like, man, look at it. I heard, I heard these girls behind me say, oh my gosh, look at his hair. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm 46. What do you want? Uh, bro, that anyway. is the craziest thing. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't never heard. First off, the fact that you can actually remember your dream is a feat in its own, right? Because most people can't even remember what yeah. happened in their dream. But you remember crazy details about your dream which is uh even more insane anything else happened from this dream i mean it's this vaccine man i'm telling you (laughs) so the vaccine is making you have a long extended dreams i was just walking all over campus and 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 I would just maybe, maybe, it's your, maybe it's your inner self want to go back to your college days. Maybe, maybe you had some good times in your college days. You want to get back out and, you know, kick it a little bit more. Maybe I, you get enough I, fun in. I did, but I don't know if being in college with social media would be good for me. Yeah, I don't think that'd be good for a lot of people that's uh, around <laughs> our age right now, for yeah. sure. Uh, what wouldn't be good. Uh, coming up on the show today, we got my man Ron Veal, man. He's one of the more prominent private QB coaches in the Atlanta area, but also around the country. Does a lot of great things, training a bunch of different players that you may or may not have heard of, but I think two of them that are very interesting that we will talk about with my man, Ron Veal. Uh, if you don't know Ron Veal, played at the University of Arizona, played in the Canadian League, uh, but he also, once he got into QB training, trained two guys who 
have been a topic of conversation for the last four years at least mm -hmm. in Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Knew these guys as middle schoolers, trained them ever since then. He's got a unique outside uh, insight, excuse me, on those two guys. Also, uh, Coach Georgia's new uh, five-star hot prep quarterback in Brock Vandergriff. So uh, he's got a lot of knowledge on these two guys who a lot of people will be talking about in a week to come uh, with the draft on the horizon. So looking forward to talking to my man Ron Veal coming up here in a little bit. Uh, but before uh, we, we get into anything sports-related, I think we would be remiss not to talk about what has happened in our world, in our community, and that has affected really everybody in this country uh, one way or another. And it's the death of George Floyd. On Tuesday, Derek Chauvin was found guilty of all three charges. Um, and this is something that I think for a lot of people was near and dear to their heart. I think a lot of people were really concerned about what was going to happen in this case. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, he was found guilty of second degree unintentional murder, third degree murder and second degree manslaughter by a jury on Tuesday. Now, the jury consisted of six white, four black, two multiracial jurors, and they deliberated for 10 and a half hours over two days. And he faces 40 years max for second degree, 25 years for third degree, and 10 years for the second degree. And his sentencing will come in eight weeks. His bail was revoked, uh, thank goodness. Um, and the three other officers were arrested will stand trial together this summer now a lot of different emotions come to mind when you think about this scotty d a lot of mm -hmm. different things come to <laughs> the mind of everybody in the country whether you're on one side or another i think each person can empathize with the family that maybe this finally brings them some kind of peace yeah it gives them some kind of justice and i think for a lot of people around the country the big word that everybody used i've used it uh, accountability for a situation that happened back last year in May. And, and now we got an opportunity now uh, to finally get justice for it. And I love the fact that this happened. I love the fact that it's a situation where we finally get some, some justice for a young man. Uh, but it doesn't take away the fact that he's still gone. Now his family uh, absolutely rejoices in it, but at the end of the day, that does not bring back a father, a brother, a son uh, for George Floyd. So it's one of these issues that has been, I think, is in the forefront of everybody's mindset. I think everybody has uh, some way or another had to look inside themselves to evaluate themselves personally. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a new step in going forward. Obviously, justice is big. Um, it's something that everybody was looking forward to. Um, I know all the different uh, organizations as far as the MLB, National Football, they all has statements about it. So mm -hmm. it tells you the, the, the magnitude or ramifications of it. But I'm glad this is a first step in going forward. Uh, we'd love to get your initial thoughts when obviously everybody's phone was blowing up. You saw it happen. It came across your ticker, whatever it may be. Initial thoughts when you saw guilty on all three charges well i thought this was the way it was gonna head i mean it's hard to to me it's there's there's never been more clear case of murder you know right. and i don't think 
and, and I, I don't really, you know, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know all the difference between first degree, second degree, all that stuff. But I, I would assume first degree means you intended to do it or whatever. Right. And I don't think that was his intent. But at the same time, he sits, sat there for, what is it, eight minutes, nine minutes with his knee on the dude's neck. Yep. Now, you know, it's, it's I, th I think justice was served. Um, and it's unfortunate that um, it's had to, it's unfortunate that it happened, obviously, but it's unfortunate that it's had to just envelop our country for the last year. Um, no doubt. No and, doubt. and sad. Um, you know, I, my, my reaction was I figured that's what, what you know, I, I, it was not a surprise or anything. I know a lot of people were on pins and needles just because they um, you might feel like the system's rigged, the nope, system, yeah, you know, yeah. and, 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 and I, I understand that feeling. Um, I don't, I can't necessarily empathize with it because it, I don't feel that way. It, I, I, I'm not the right color to feel that way, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, it, but I understand it. And um, so I, I think justice was done, but it, like you said, doesn't bring George Floyd back. And um, you know, the only thing I'll say is that all, all situations like this need to be judged on their own merit mm -hmm. and on their own evidence and their, and, you know, and individually. And to me in this, in this case in, in, in particular, I think the right, you know, the right uh, verdict was, was laid out. And here's another part that <clears throat> I started to think about when this situation came about, because even though this happened, you know, over a year ago, I think there still have been so many killings of unarmed black men. I think there's been tons of killings period by uh, our law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I came to mind is I feel like at times we have kind of normalized protests we've normalized marches like this is just what we do now this is mm -hmm. what you know it has to happen instead of finding a way to make change now i know right. there's a lot of ways to go about trying <clears throat> to make change and it all you know it stems from you know our government and mm -hmm. uh, you know uh, people in general having to make a change so i understand it takes time but it just seems like that has been the norm and hopefully after we move in this first step forward that we do not normalize these type of situations because it is not normal. This mm -hmm. is things that should not happen. And we mm -hmm. should not just automatically feel as though here is another situation. Here's what we have to do again. And right. obviously there's change to be had on both sides. There's change to be had by everybody in general. Um, but I'm glad this was the outcome. And like you mentioned, you looked at it as, Hey, I thought this was expected. Mm -hmm. From my point of view, I've seen multiple times where this wasn't the outcome. So yeah. it's a reason why you could be on both sides of, hey, I'm trying to be positive, but I've also been in the mindset of I've seen this happen before. So mm -hmm. it challenges you. It challenges everybody. It challenges all of us to believe yeah. in the system for one, but then also challenge us to say, we got to do the right thing, man. And can I just clarify when I say I may not have used the right word when I said I can't empathize because I'm white. I don't think that's the right choice of word. What I'm saying is I can't speak from experience what you would feel. Right. You know what I mean? So right. I just want, I just right. want to be clear. Right. I, Cause I think saying I didn't, I don't, I can't empathize means I don't care or I can't care, but that's not yeah. the case. Cause I think you can absolutely <clears throat> empathize with a situation because sure. you can easily be on the side of what if this was my son? Sure. Then guess what? I can empathize with it. You know right, what I mean? Right. So, so I can, yeah, I can relate in that regard. Right. Yes. Right. So I, I think it's, but it's, but see, this is, 
this is what's good about our country is we can have these kind of conversations without them going one way or another. I think it's important that you have the communication. I think it's mm -hmm. important that you speak on things that you're not comfortable or think or speak on things that you're not sure about. Like, right. you know, I haven't gone through things you've gone through. You haven't gone through things I've gone through, but I can empathize in a way with you or I can understand, like you said, on things that are going on in our country. Yeah. And then I can find a way to relate to it in a way that puts another spin on things. So um, to the Floyd family, obviously here to Triple Their Podcast and Scotty D and I, we absolutely are sending our prayers and we hope this brings some peace to your family. Uh, obviously having some kind of justice is huge. Uh, knowing that obviously he is gone, but he is still thought about. And now that those jurors did the right thing. And I think a lot of times people look at it and say, hey, sometimes guys just don't do their job. And I'm glad the yeah. jurors in this position deliberated. They talked about it. They communicated about it. And as I mentioned, it was a, a different room. It wasn't majority all one kind. It wasn't all majority another kind. It was a mixed group of people that came together and did the right thing, which was find him guilty on all three charges. So he will be, uh, be sentenced, like I mentioned, in eight weeks and the other three guys who arrested will have their time in court as well this summer. So uh, just to put a bone at Scotty D, man, uh, obviously this was something that uh, I think we all have discussed over the past year. And obviously it's been something that um, has, has been at the root of a lot of things of our country. And it's mm -hmm. made a lot of people with social injustice. Uh, we've heard all the athletes around the country come out and say certain things. Uh, we remember teams walking out. We remember mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff during basketball season and guys standing the ground. So this is a situation that reach, reaches everybody, not just in sports, but it reaches us in, in life. And I mean, here, here it is today. I mean, we, we're talking about it on our podcast. I'm sure it's talking about it all around every other uh, place around the country. We see it on everything we turn on the TV. Um, ESPN had a whole special where they talked about it for a full hour of the ramifications of it. So it just, it speaks to the dynamics of it. And I'm glad justice was found. All right, let's jump on and move on to some other stuff in the national football. A couple of guys retiring, man. We, uh, a couple of big names uh, are stepping away from the game of football. Uh, first, Alex Smith retired early this week. Uh, everybody remembers Alex Smith. Uh, he won the comeback player of the year, had a horrific injury with the Washington football team, came back, uh, actually started, played really well, and decided to step away from the game. But I said this in a tweet uh, when I found out that he had retired, and I mentioned, I said, the things that he had to overcome, the way he persevered is a testimony, not just for athletes. I think this is a testimony for people in the business world. It's yeah. a testimony for small kids, it's a testimony for people going through things like what he had to go through was life threatening. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it happened on a sports field, but he had to find a way to overcome it. His family had to deal with it. So it was something that affected a lot of different people. And I think his testimony uh, of how he overcame this particular injury, fought through it and able to come back and play in the National Football League again in a place that almost took his life, yeah. I think speaks volumes uh, about it. So uh, love to get your thoughts on Alex Smith. Obviously, you're a, a huge sports fan. You you, you follow the story as well. Uh, you saw he's actually stepping away from the game. What did you think about that, bro? Yeah, you know, never heard a bad word about 
uh, Alex Smith. Always heard about his uh, teammates loved him. His coaches loved him. Uh, he played for Urban Meyer at Utah, mm-hmm. um, number one draft pick. Um, so he, he, he had everything in front of him. He faced a lot of criticism, but you know what? He, that dude won a lot of games. Um, and I'm talking, this is all before the injury. Um, and I, and I love your, I love your analogy that, you know, there are people that you might lose a loved one and you try to, and you gotta, you gotta pick yourself up and get through Mm -hmm. adversity. Your business might go under because of something like COVID or something, you got to pick yourself and and move on. So it's, it's a great thing to uh i i totally love you know the way you're approaching this with his that his testimony will be able to be used by people to overcome all all types of adversity no doubt no doubt and you know i I think it's interesting that alex smith walked away on his own terms came back and kind of i think uh to himself showed himself that i can do this Mm -hmm. and even this year before he retired he had numerous amount of teams still wondering if he you know wanted to come back and you just mentioned a guy in Urban Meyer who I read the other day said they kicked the tires on him. They looked at him because obviously they know him. Mm-hmm. Urban Meyer coached him, like you mentioned. So he knows the character of the guy. Um, I know Andy Reid came out and said he is easily one of his top players he's ever coached. That's mm-hmm. big stuff. Patrick Mahomes came out and said if it wasn't for him teaching me the things that he taught me while he was in Kansas City, I would not be the player I am today. I mean, yeah. that speaks volumes. And like you mentioned, nobody really ever had anything bad to say about the guy. Had his ups and downs, had his chance in San Francisco, end up getting traded. They bring in, you know, Colin Kaepernick comes in for him and takes over. And, you know, he loses that job and goes to Kansas City and they draft Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's had his, you know, year after year thing. But the guy found a way to overcome it. And uh, I think it's tremendous. So congrats to Alex Smith on his retirement. Uh, I'm sure whatever he wants to do, he'll be able to do. But, uh, this guy will have a testimony to a lot of different people. Jordan Reed, also the tight end, uh, retiring from NFL. Um, I know, Scotty D, you know this guy. Yeah. I didn't know this, though. He he came to Florida as a quarterback. I didn't even yeah. realize that. Yes, sir. He came to quarterback as a quarterback <laughs> and then moved to tight end after a year and ended up being a third-round pick back in 2013. Now, he's retiring because of lingering issues from multiple concussions mm. suffered in his career. Yeah. Uh, his best season was 2015 when he had 87 catches, nine over 900 yards and 11 touchdowns for the Washington football team. But he never played in more than 14 games in a season, uh, three times played in 10 or fewer. And he's got documented at least seven concussions. He's got some bad soft tissue injuries, uh, knee and toe injuries. So he's had his share of injuries throughout his career. He also has three young girls. So I know he wants to be there for them uh as a florida guy i know you know jordan Reed probably followed his career a little bit yeah. uh was it surprising to see that he was going to hang it up you know after what is it, seven eight years of playing in the nfl yeah no i mean and and i think it's longer than that even it, he he uh i'm surprised he's still playing i mean he was he all those concussions his his brain potentially could be a mess and yeah. um yeah i hope i hope that he didn't do this too late um, he, he, he is from the, you know, urban Myers, you know, another urban guy that was coached by urban Meyer in college, uh, some glory years in, at Florida. And, um, I remember him fondly from that and, um, just hope, I hope his health is okay. You know, yeah. he, he, he had, it felt like every year he had another concussion. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's interesting. You bring that up that hopefully he's okay because we've seen just in the last, you know, six months, former mm-hmm. players, 
who have having issues. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people is saying, hey, it has something to do with CT. I mean, Vincent Jackson was a guy who nobody thought was anything wrong with or what was going on. And he was having his own battles. So mm-hmm. there's always things that you have to take into account and glad that he is taking the right steps, uh, hopefully, and uh, making sure he's there for his family going yeah. forward. So um, congrats to him as well, man. Alex Smith, Jordan Reed, two quality guys, uh, obviously, who crossed paths and now are retiring and heading off into uh, the sunset on their own turn, which is is pretty cool. And you don't get to say that often yeah. uh, as a uh, player in the National Football League. All right, interesting conversation. Right? There was a, a topic that came up about Joe Burrow not lobbying for the Bengals to draft either Jamar Chase or Pene Sewell because that is the place where the Bengals would be. You know, they had the number six pick, mm-hmm. and everybody expects the quarterbacks to go early. And then, you know, the Dolphins are looking uh, to possibly get a receiver or an offensive lineman. And then you got the Bengals sitting there. And obviously, Jamar Chase played with Joe Burrow in that record-setting season. Uh, Pene Sewell could absolutely help him uh, up front. Should he be lobbying for one of those dudes? I mean, should he say, hey, coach, I would love to have this guy? Or you think they know what they're doing? Um, Listen, I think he should be. And if I'm him, I'm lobbying for Pene Sewell because because of his offensive line – he tore all his CLs, his ACL, his MCL. <laughs> he tore all his CLs. He tore them all. And uh, so I think he'd be crazy. He's got Tyler Boyd there, T. Higgins. He's got some guys there that can catch the ball for him. And yep. and you know what? In the end, I, you know I value the trenches more than I value the, the guys on the outside. For sure. For um, sure. And not, I mean, they're all important. Don't get me wrong. But if you're going to talk about your protection, yeah, give me a left tackle. See, I want – to take the other side of us and say, I want a playmaker. I want to so badly say Jamar Chase is a monster. Can we not forget what he did mm-hmm. in his last season before he opted out, took his team to the national championship, was a unguardable guy on the outside. Yeah. He could be a security blanket for Joe Burrow. I want to say that so much, but as a guy who understands if you do not have time, there's no way you could get the football to Tyler Boyd yeah. or Jamar Chase at any given time. So Pene Sewell is absolutely the guy you want there. Maybe they like Rashawn Slater. Maybe they like him from Northwest. Maybe they like one of those two guys. Either way, yeah. protect this man. Yeah, and, and you know, for for me, I only have a re- I only have a really good focus on the top half of the first round. Yeah. You know, I don't I, I, I'm not good enough at, at evaluation to know. They may say, hey, we can get Jamar Chase now. We can fill there, there's a there's a couple good guys that'll be there top of the second round. Yeah, right, I think the receiver class deep enough. I, I, obviously, Jamar Chase is, you know, special. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a special player. But uh, obviously, I think there's other playmakers that could absolutely help him. So we'll see which way they go. I think they have to lean towards protecting the franchise mm-hmm. in Joe Burrow. Uh, yeah. Other quick stories, man. I, I saw this. Everybody talks about. Uh, these guys hiding away where they end up uh, going. And the big topic of conversation is Devontae Smith because they think he's too small. This guy measuring at six foot, 166 pounds. Now, a lot of people, Alabama had him at like 170, 175, and he said 166. Does this matter? Because this dude at 166 pounds had 117 receptions. 1,800 yards and 20, 23 touchdowns in the SEC. Yeah. Does it matter to you that he weighs 166 pounds heading to the National Football League? 
All right, just being real. Yeah, to, to me it does. <laughs> Why? Why does it matter? The dude balling. Why does it I matter? Know. I know. I don't want. I don't want it to matter. But I, mean, <laughs> I don't want it to matter. It's the NFL, you know. And and I'm I I would worry about guys with slight frames in the NFL now. <laughs> so so it would matter to me if 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 I had two guys uh, at two different positions or at the same position comparably ranked, I would probably go away from a hundred and a, a kid, you know, an NFL player that weighs as much as my fifteen year old. I don't know how much T.Y. Hilton weighs, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, T.Y. Hilton has been bald. Marvin, Harrison. I don't think he's much bigger. Marvin Harrison, come on, these dudes cannot be over one eighty. Like, uh, I agree. Real. Yeah, and you're these right. dudes still putting up big time numbers. So I don't care about his one sixty six. The dude has shown he can get all jams. Guess what? If your officer coordinator is good enough, you find a way to get him off those jams, put him in a bunch set, put him in motion, find a way to get this guy a free release at times. But this dude is fast enough and he's yeah. skilled enough yeah, to not get jammed sure. up at the line of scrimmage. So we'll see if it matters, but I don't think it matters. Other notable sizes, Tulsa's linebacker, Zaven Collins. Now, you know, remember this guy, he won the Bednar Nagurski Award. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also was a defensive player of the year, won the Lombardi Award as well. 6'4", 70 pounds at the linebacker spot. Now, this dude was nasty in college. This dude obviously won the top backers because of those awards. Mm-hmm. But 270, though, bro? Is this guy guarding anybody at 270? Uh, you said defensive tackle, right? No, no. No, no. <laughs> Linebacker, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's 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 big. You I know, mean, I know the dude athletic, but 270, though? Yeah, I would hope that he can drop 20 pounds. Man, I don't know, man. We're gonna be gonna be ready to see what happens. He ended up in 270 at his pro day. Um, and the last one, Zach Wilson, 6'2, 210, pretty regular day. I don't think anything to to uh start with there. Another receiver, though. Last one, Louis Louisville receiver, 2'2 Atwell, 5'8, 149. That matter. <laughs> in the first that may matter a little bit. I don't yeah. know. Where's he projected? Do you do you know? Nah, I don't know, but he's a he's a guy that I've heard about for the past couple of years is a, a pretty legit receiver at that, that position. So we'll see, man. But I, I just thought those were interesting enough yeah. uh, to, to speak on it. Uh, quickly, Ronda Rousey uh, just announced that she is pregnant with husband Travis Brown. She's four months pregnant. If you remember, obviously, she had a really bust onto the scene career in the uh, UFC, was knocking everybody out, then mm-hmm. end up getting herself knocked out. Uh, then she joined now WWE. Knocked, now she got knocked up. Yeah. Oh, Scotty <laughs> D. I got. Oh. You couldn't. You couldn't help that one. That was a good one. I, I like <laughs> knocked out and knocked up. Then she uh, got in with the WWE in 2017. Left there in 2019 because she wanted to have kids. So congratulations, to Ronda Rousey, man. She's yeah. going to be a mother uh, here in the short near future uh, coming up. Now there were a lot of. Uh, last thing we get to before we get to my man Ron Beal coming up next, uh, QB guru. Um, last story, man. Uh, there were some talks about a super league uh, yeah. in soccer. But then because of that conversation, people started to talk about super leagues in football. Is that right? Yeah, Is college possible? football. Yeah, college I mean, football. Scotty, talk to us about where who was considered some of these super leagues and who are who are the teams that are in these super leagues? Yeah, so uh, Andy Staples with the Athletic is the one that came up with this idea after the soccer thing uh, came up. 
So I'm going to give you the 15 teams, which is a weird number to me, but I'm going to give you the 15 teams he chose (laughs) for this super conference. And I want to talk to you. I want to know who you think belongs and who doesn't belong. And the, the criteria is yours. Okay. So if you think history is part of it, if you think relevance right now is part of it, however you want to look at it, fan base, you're trying to put butts in seats, fan base might take something. So here, here are the 15 that Andy Staples uh, from the athletic chose okay. Alabama, of course, okay. Auburn, okay. Clemson, okay. Florida, Georgia, okay. LSU, okay. Michigan, all right. Nebraska, okay. Notre Dame and Ohio State, okay. Oklahoma, Oregon, okay. Penn State, mm. Texas, and USC. Ooh. Now, Ooh. when I look at that list, I see a ton mm. of mediocrity. Mm. Like, where's, where's, why wouldn't you have Wisconsin in there? They're, they have okay. a better track record than, mo- than uh, most of those Big Ten teams. So the only, okay, so you got Oregon and USC out of the, Pac-12. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Penn State, Michigan, Nebraska. Ohio State. Ohio State, all powerhouses. Now, and then out of the SEC, Bama, LSU, Auburn, Georgia, Florida. So I think, I think a lot of people would say, why would you have Georgia, Florida, and Auburn possibly in there? Because they have all been kind of middle of the road teams. I know Auburn won a national championship a little while back. Mm-hmm. Um, Florida and Georgia have been on the cusp, but haven't really broke through. Right. LSU just had their magical season. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the tradition goes with Michigan and Nebraska, Notre Dame, but they still haven't really Penn, won. Penn you State. Know, Penn State. Uh, I don't think people would argue about Ohio State, Bama, um, Clemson. Clemson for sure. Um, I like your I like your call on Wisconsin. Um, who else do you see missing? Mm, hmm. Let me see real quick. Let me see. So we're talking about major teams who have done things, right? Yeah. How about uh, Florida State and Miami? Ooh. So we're not talking about just what's happened over the past. Let's say, yeah. Well, and like- that, that's just a question. That's what I, I don't necessarily agree with that. But if you're going to say that they're garbage right now and they don't belong in here, what what is Michigan? No doubt. No doubt. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm just looking through some of these yeah. teams there to see. Texas A&M? Uh, I think they're probably in the same boat. Uh, what about like a team like Virginia Tech when, you know, mm-hmm. Vic was there? I mean – People mm-hmm. look at them like, or well, yeah, they were top top five for a few years there, or Tennessee during Tennessee. the times of Peyton and mm-hmm. T. Martin, all those guys. I think this is a group group though. Cause I'm looking through a lot of these teams. I'm like, okay, they're they're Miller Roll, they're average teams, they're you know mm-hmm. not major teams that get going. Uh, okay, I can I deal with I, those. I, I can deal know, with those. I think the only change I would make is I would switch Wisconsin and Nebraska. Okay. I mean, I can't argue. I, I can go either way with, with, with Wisconsin or Nebraska. I wouldn't mind either one of those teams. So uh, I think it's a good list. Bama, Auburn, Clemson, Florida, Georgia, Oklahoma, Penn State, Texas, USC, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Nebraska, Michigan, LSU. Now, those teams all played in a super conference. Oh, my goodness. I don't think each team would make it to the end of the season because they would get 
they would brutalize each other. You that think would be, anybody could you think even Alabama could go undefeated in that with that no, stretch? No, no. That's a must watch. I don't I don't think so. No. Because every week, nah, I don't think so. Because yeah. you gotta play Ohio State and then say, okay, you you beat Ohio State, then this week you turn around and you gotta play Michigan, or you gotta turn around and play Nebraska with the physicality of them. Uh, you got to turn around and play a, a Penn State in Penn State. Like, come on, man. They go white out on you. It's going to go. It might get crazy at night. You never know. So, Well, plus, i tell you what else might be affected is Nebraska might come back around if they're a part of this huge conference from a recruiting standpoint. Oof. They might start – they, they're, they're, uh, they might start bringing in bigger players if they these players know I can go play in this 15 uh, – Team league, you know. I like this conference. I like this Super League conference. I like that. I would love to see if that actually came about. There'd be a lot of people who think they should be in there, and then there could be some of the the mid level teams that you think about and say, "Hmm, what about the, you know, the 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 the, the BYUs of the world, mm-hmm. or you know, what I'm saying, Boise, the, yeah, the, yeah, the Boise States, all those teams who, you know, Central Florida's of the world. So we, we'll, we'll we'll see, man. I, I love that talk, man. All right. Let's get to my man, Ron Veal, man. Ron Veal coming through. He's going to drop some dimes on. He's going to let us know the real, the uncut real about Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Brock Vandergriff, any of these quarterbacks, and what he looks for when he's actually training these dudes and see. And we're going to ask him, dude, do you root for one on when they played each other last year? We're going we're gonna to ask him right here. Coming up next on the Triple Day Podcast, my man, Ron Veal. All right, welcome back to the Triple Threat Podcast. I told you I had my one of my good friends coming on here. My man, Ron Veal, has joined the Triple Threat Podcast. And for all you don't know, my man, Ron, was a standout quarterback uh, for the Arizona Wildcats out there at 87 through 91. Also played the Canadian League and now is doing some phenomenal things. He is absolutely educating our youth quarterbacks around the country. And uh, like I mentioned, one of a just a really good dude, man. Does a lot of great things. Also, is a fighter, fighter, and paramedic uh, here in Atlanta. So, uh, doing great things. Ron, man, appreciate you, man. Thanks for joining the show. How you doing, bro? I'm brother. I'm good, man. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Appreciate I appreciate it. it. Doing well. No doubt, man. I, I obviously uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in the draft. There's a lot of stuff uh, going on with a lot of different players that you have a front row seat to knowing these kids uh, up close and personal. But uh, before we get into any of that, I, I love to go back and give people a little background on you, man. Talk about um, how long uh, did you know you were going to be a standout quarterback? Uh, did, did you always growing up wanting to play quarterback or just kind of, hey, you just one of the best athletes? They said, hey, let's put this guy back there because he can slang it, too. Yeah, you know how I go. I started out at receiver my first year playing Paul Warner at seven in that second year is when I start playing quarterback. And like you said, they could see I could throw, and they'd say, well, let's put this kid at quarterback and see what happens. And I've been playing ever since, um, all the way through high school, then college. But, you know, all they had was the opportunity to get my opportunity to play at Arizona, and I got it, and um, I just took it from there. No doubt, man. Talk about, uh, obviously, those times uh, kind of built you into the guy you are now, and I was kind of in that situation too, man. Went to college thinking I was going to play, and – uh, obviously didn't get a chance to later in my career. 
Uh, talk about your time at, at, at Arizona and, and kind of what you learned about yourself during those times when, hey, when you finally did get your chance, but also even better, uh, what you learn about yourself when you were trying to find your way into that uh, starting role? Yeah, I got a chance to play my freshman year because we had two people transfer early out of this program. Then the guy that was starting broke his hand against UCLA. So I started the next seven games as a freshman. And nice. then um, from now on, I just started my last three and a half years there. But what it teaches, you know, is up and downs in college football. Right. Um, it teaches how to become a man, first of all, and how to deal with certain situations, deal with a little bit of adversity in your life. And um, it carries over into your real world with you. So those things were taught to me playing ball out there and away from home because I'm from Florida. So it was a lot going on with that as well. But oh, yeah. I wouldn't change it for the world, dude. <laughs> I hear you, man. <laughs> so many lessons we learned in those in those spots. Uh uh, left your career at Arizona with over 3,000 yards, uh, 1,400 yards on the ground. So, obviously, we know you're an athletic dude, and then you end up going playing uh, some some counter ball. But then for 10 years, you stepped away from the game until, you know, hey, you're at South Cobb High School, and, you you know, you see this kid, and you offered to tutor him. What led you to the position where you are now? And we're going to get into it now for a lot of people to give a little, a little background uh, Ron has coached the likes of Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and Brock Vandergriff, who's at uh, Georgia now, tons of other kids. But leading up to that, what led you to where you are now and tutoring, mentoring, training mentally, physically, the quarterbacks of our future? Well, the easy answer would be God. I think <laughs> that day I was going home from work that day. <laughs> I just took a different route, and I stopped, like I said, like you said, stopped by South Cobb High School, and I saw this kid, and and I asked him, could I help? Help his, I asked his dad if I could help him, and he said, yeah. So we went from there. But I think um, sometimes we fall into our roles by accident, and I right. think that was one of them. And um, as much as I tried to run from the game, it was still there. It was deep down in me, and um, I feel like we all had that. We've been taught something about football. Why not pass it on to these young kids and um, try to help somebody achieve their dream as well? Right. So that's where I get my philosophies from. Like somebody helped us along the way back in the day. They didn't know they was helping us, but they were. And um, I felt that it was time for me to give back as well. That's that's cool, Ron. Um, let me ask you a question. When you when you're working with somebody that's young. Um, how, how, how do you know when it's, when they're ready for your kind of instruction, when they're ready to, to, you know, take it past a Pop Warner coach? Well, it's interesting you ask that question because all these kids have different levels of learning mm-hmm. and, and maturity and, and dealing with, um, their motor and their body mechanics. So some flourish early and some flourish late, but what you're looking for is if a kid has a hour session can they bring something back from that hour session and the next session? Mm. And once you, once you able to see that they are able to retain a little bit of information on what you taught them or, or what they're learning, then you know, you're going in the right direction. Anytime you have to like backpack, backtrack and start all over again from the session to the session, you're going to have a difficult time trying to get that kid in the framework of like understanding what's going on. So, I look for the motor skills to connect with their growth patterns and how 
it changes from age this age to that age and you're also looking for that coordination mm-hmm. well well i'll follow that up with this is we're here to hear about trevor and justin right so tell us what it was right. what it was like working with those guys at a young age and, and when did you when did you know i mean when did you know that they were going to be special well i'll start with justin um I saw Justin at a camp at Walton High School, and his dad came up to me because his dad's a police officer, and we hit it off from there. And he's like, "Man, can you help my son?" But when you saw Justin, he was a short, stocky kid, but very athletic. But he played baseball, so that opened the door to that. I know he could throw, mm-hmm. so he was very athletic. He moved well. He was just stocky and just starting to learn to play quarterback. But you can see the athleticism. You can see the mobility. You can see him move and go through things. And it kept growing and it kept growing. And unlike the, in the ninth grade is when his his skill took off and everything started to catch up. Because he grew from the ninth grade to the 10th grade, like three or four inches. And that oh. threw him off balance. Oh. So it threw him off balance. Then we had to come back and retool all that stuff. Then when he fell into balance around about his 11th year, that's when all those offers started to come. Mm. And because I, I, you can see it coming. Yeah, it's interesting. You you, you say that because I saw something where he talked about his tenth grade year. He would play, but he get taken out the game, and it kind of messed with his mindset. And then he was wondering why he wasn't getting the offers. That then you know around the eleventh grade year, when he started playing, he finally got that 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 kind of credit that he needed. And I think it's interesting enough that. These two kids, these two young men now that are obviously being talked about all around the country and people disputing where they should go, obviously with Justin Fields, not as much as Trevor, but you knew from that early age, because I I saw where you, you talked about, hey, I saw both these kids at separate times at different camps, and then ultimately uh, these guys end up being, you know, two guys who are, you know, talking about uh, among the best who've played. When you, when you get a chance to tool these kids from middle school to high school, how much satisfaction do you get from seeing the growth from each year that, you know, you get a chance to mold them and put your hands on? It's like a, like a second dad. It's almost like a proud moment because to watch them develop and to see where they were when I started working with them, right. They was just as raw as anybody else, but <laughs> the talent was already, it was there. Hmm. And now I'll, I'll be a liar if I was to say I don't know they was going to be this good at this age, right? (laughs) But you could actually see after a couple of years that, oh, these kids are, they're going to be special because they were both lanky. They were both long. They are both athletic. See, people don't really give Trevor a lot of credit for his athleticism, but he's very athletic and he, and he, and he kind of shifty with it as well. Yeah. So, so it was it was good because both of them played baseball. Justin played a little bit more travel ball than Trevor, but all of those overhead rotational throws was there. So the movements were there, the hips and the rotation from hitting was there. Mm. It was it's, it's a pleasure to watch them grow and bang them, you know, do what they're doing now and then on the level what they're doing. Ron, what's something off the field that people may not know about these two dudes to? Uh, it was like everybody knows their athletic talent for sure. You can see it. You can turn on the tape. Everybody watched them in, you know, national championship games on the on the prime stage. But what about these guys off the field gives you the confidence to know that, hey, these guys are going to be able to walk into 
uh, these NFL locker rooms in, you know, week two weeks once they get drafted and be the leaders of that organization? The biggest thing about both of them, they're really quiet people, but they care a lot about other people. And they try to make everybody feel incorporated into their circle. Mm. And, I, and I saw both of them do that within high school. I saw it in college. They talk to everybody on the team. They're not a standout person. Mm. They're not a cocky person. They're very genuine in what they're doing, and they really, really care about other people on and off the field as far as, like, trying to help somebody do something positive. So I think that'll translate to their game. With going in the NFL, you're dealing with grown men. But as far as, like, being able to motivate and lead, I think that's where they're going to be at their best. In different ways, you know, in different ways. Right. Yeah. Um, well, tell us a little bit about, we heard how you, how you met Justin, tell us how you discovered, uh, Trevor and, and his, what, what were you, what did you see at an early age in him? Well, Trevor was a little taller than Justin. He was already six one. Mm. And I met him in the seventh grade at a camp at Lasser. And they brought him and said, you need to start working with this kid. That was his language. And I was like, okay. Ron, you say he was, there, six, he was six one in Sam Gray? Already, yeah. He was like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and with Trevor, Trevor was a natural thrower. You know, he was still by him being so tall. He's kind of awkward with his movements. Yeah. But you can see that he was a natural thrower. And tell you the truth, there's nothing I did other than help him with his lower half to incorporate it into his throws, and he went from there. Because from the seventh grade and the two years after that, he's in the ninth grade playing Buford in the, what, semifinals. Right. So that just goes to just show you how much growth and development he had in his body already. Ron, obviously, uh, it's probably uh, everybody knows that Trevor's going number one overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is a, a hum- tremendous feat. And uh, I know uh, you, you take a lot of pride in – having a guy who's gone from where you guys have started to where he's at now. Uh, but do you think Justin fits well in that third spot with Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers? Or do you think there is another fit that fits him best uh, with the team on the next level? That's, that's a tough one for me, DJ. But um, I think he'll <laughs> fit well with with, the, with Shanahan's offense. And uh, – because they play a little bit more under center at Ohio State than this past week. Yeah. But I think from the way that Kyle teaches the game to the quarterback position, I think Justin would be added, you know, added on to that. As far as, like, with the ball handling and the play action that they do run. And he can incorporate a little bit more things with Justin because Justin able to use his legs mm. a little bit more than what, what Kyle's been used to. Other than RG3, you know. But Yeah, no doubt. But I think he'll fit in the next, you know, the next three, four teams that is in that order in the offense is pretty well, in my opinion. Pay attention, Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> Ron, hey, hey, Ron, listen, that's an interesting way to uh, get to a question I was curious about. Trevor Lawrence is clearly going to Jacksonville. Urban Meyer is the coach there. Uh, his, it, to me, what Urban Meyer traditionally has done on offense isn't, isn't really lined up with what Trevor Lawrence is. How do you see Urban Meyer 
adjusting his offense to to, to fit uh, Trevor's Trevor's gifts. And and I know he's uh, that's a, been a big topic of discussion that he's more athletic than people gave him credit for early on and everything. But how do you, if if you're Urban Meyer, how would you make adjustments for for Trevor? I would I would just play to his talents and his gifts. Um, we're talking about NFL, so they're very talented people on that level. I think Trevor can can handle some of the run game in the NFL where he gets six, seven yards on certain situations. Mm-hmm. And I think Urban would use that to his advantage. And he also probably use that with play action and ball, you know, ball fakes where Trevor can stretch the ball down the field. I feel like it's a quick game, an intermediate game is at the, at the top of you know, at the top of the list. So I think Urban will lose use all of that, the whole package with him. Because Urban did use Cordell, Cordell Jones in the way that Trevor is the same body, same build. Mm. But I think Trevor might have just a little bit more athleticism than Cordell for his movement was. Ron, I want you to kind of speak on uh, this last thing as we talk about Trevor and move on. I mean, we talk about Justin and move on. Uh, obviously, I know you've heard all the conversation about Justin and, uh, you know, his work ethic, all that kind of stuff. And you've had a rapport with him since he in middle school and as late as, you know, just this past offseason where Ryan Day said he needed to work on his footwork and, you know, you guys got together. Uh, what is your thought process on that, on people – commenting on his work ethic and, you know, can he get to this read, that read? And if you turn on the tape, you can clearly see him getting to two, three, four, whatever read it may be. But your thoughts on that type of things coming out about him now uh, during this process? Hey, man, you know, you've been through this process, DJ. It's <laughs> all, about, <laughs> it's all about evaluation. And I think everybody has their own opinion about Justin. But to know Justin and to understand him, I've never seen him to be a lazy person or an unmotivated person. Mm. He works his tail off, mm. and, and he's usually the first one there and the last one to leave from what I've seen and what I've witnessed. Yeah. You know, very, very hard-working kid. I just worked him out yesterday, and we were working on throwing the 10-yard out. He just didn't feel right to him, so we threw it about 15 times just for him to say, that's good enough, wow. but that's better. So those type of things that I see – a lot of other people don't see. Right. And the people at Ohio State got to see him work mm. and put it into work. And look at this kid's body. He's a vegan, but he's 228 pounds. Right. <laughs> so Uh-oh. so he's doing something right. You know, his body's there. He's running a 4-4 and some change. So he's working on something. Right. And he's in a position to go in a high in the NFL draft. So he's evidently did something right. Yeah. You know, that's my uh, opinion. I like it. And, and that's perfectly why I wanted to ask you, because a lot of people don't know the ins and outs, don't know them as personally uh, as you do. And uh, it was great to get your insight on that. Uh, last thing you uh, talked about, uh, obviously, these two guys had a chance to play each other. I know you didn't take sides. I know uh, you, you didn't root for one side or the other. But uh, did, you, did you share the till when you look out on the field and you say, man, them my two dudes out there. Uh, playing on the biggest stage uh, for all the marbles. Yeah, it was um, it was overwhelming. To tell you the truth, because you <laughs> you knew somebody had to lose, right? And and somebody had to win. So I didn't want to hit that bragging after the season. But <laughs> uh, but to watch them play, man, it was it, it touched your heart because both of them, especially in that Arizona 
when they played in Arizona. Yeah. Both of them played their heart out, man. And um, and Trevor took that one. Then Justin came back the next year and played his tail off. Yeah. So it was it, it was a beautiful thing to watch, man. Both years to watch them operate like that. Do do they have much of a relationship, Ron? That you know of? They do. It's not as uh, close as as you would like because they they're in different situations, you know, different yeah. parts of the city. But they do get along well with each other. We worked out a couple of times um, prior to them going off to school, uh-huh. and um, they get along well. Interesting dynamic for sure. I mean, two guys who I've been there before, going all these different camps. You know, once some some publication got you number one, some got him number one. So. Definitely interesting dynamic. Uh, last two things I want to ask you about, Ron. Obviously, the, the, my dog's got Vandergriff, who's come down, had his first spring. Uh, kind of give people, uh, the Georgia fans, a little insight on what to expect. I know people have seen him play, know what he's about. But uh, just from your point of view, uh, what Georgia's getting with Brock Vandergriff? They're getting one of the hardest working kids I've ever worked against. Um, he changed his whole body between 11th and 12th grade. Mm. Worked on his game, worked on his footwork. I think once he gets this offense down and understand the offense from the ins and outs of it, I yeah. think he's going to be really well. Um, very athletic. You know, he played receiver in the ninth grade, scored 14 touchdowns. <laughs> then came back and played quarterback 10, 11, 12. And you saw what he did with that. Yeah. So I just think you got a kid that's team first, you know, and going to put all his work into getting, getting better. Yeah. Man, that's awesome, yeah, man. I know, I know Georgia fans are excited to hear that for sure uh, about the new uh, regime that's coming through there, and he's going to fight his butt off. Last thing, Ron, I don't want to get you to talk about uh, the QB Collective that you're a part of. Uh, obviously, it's a bunch of – a great group of guys with you and Ramon Robinson and Drico Hines, uh, Saul McNabb, Medea Williams, a, a bunch of quarterbacks who have done it at an elite level. Talk about the QB Collective that you're a part of and uh, what you guys are about. Well, we came together on a on, on a one accord, man, and tried to put together something to say, well, how can we make a difference with a lot of the quarterbacks that that's out there that's not getting this or not getting that? Mm-hmm. So our camp is not based on trying to promote a kid or or writers coming to our camp to try to try to promote a kid and put another kid ahead of somebody else. We try to treat everybody the same and give them the same information that they can take and become successful um, for us like a symposium on about life after football about nutrition how your body works um, branding yourself when it's mm-hmm. time to go to school with this new NIL that's in place so mm-hmm. we're trying to give them a perspective from all ends of it and and I'll say this too and from a black quarterback perspective you know we had we had deal with a lot of stuff on and off the field, but <laughs> no doubt. sharing that as well, you know, and um, that's just being real. I think, I no think doubt. the group that we have together, all of us play at a high level. McNabb is a seasoned, a seasoned person in the group and he's able to share what he experienced going through the draft process, going through being a number one first round draft pick, being a quarterback at the Eagles for you. Mm. Years of playing in the Super Bowl, so yeah. he has that that end of it covered, and we just trying to give all that information to these kids and try to help them become better people, better quarterbacks. 
Man, that's pretty cool. I mean, obviously, as a guy who went through those same battles, as you know, Ron, being a you know African-American quarterback, thinking we had to do more, had to find a way to you know do just a little bit more sometimes than our counterparts is, is something that you, you're fighting in. So uh, I thought it was cool to see you guys all come together to just give these kids the knowledge because a lot of kids don't have it. They're looking for it. They're trying to find it, and nobody willing to give it to them. And that group of guys that you guys represent, I think, is pretty cool. And, and quite frankly, might be unmatched, man. Yeah, we got a good group. We're just trying to have a good product on the field, man, where they can walk away and say, I learned something today. And and the next kid next to me is not getting the same amount. It's getting the same attention that I'm getting. That's the main thing we're trying to, trying to do. Well, hopefully y'all invite me out one time, man. I don't know if I'm worthy enough to be uh, around <laughs> hey, y'all big time. We, we, we will invite you with open arms and open heart, brother. <laughs> I appreciate it, Rod. Hey, man, uh, from, from from my heart, man, I appreciate you joining us, man. Obviously, uh, you're a busy man. As we talk now, you are headed to go train some future QBs. Uh, but we appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I know a lot of people get a lot from what you said and – uh, just kind of shutting down some of the, the misnomers of some of these top QBs and things that they have to go through. So, man, I appreciate your time, bro. Appreciate you uh, linking up with us and uh, joining us here on the Triple Threat Podcast, man. Bro, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, and I really appreciate it. All right, for my man, Scotty D, I'm DJ Shockley. We appreciate Ron Bill joining us here on the Triple Threat Podcast. We'll catch up with you guys next week as we get into the draft week. And it's going down. Appreciate you guys joining on Triple Threat Podcast. Deuces. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.